recognize them. Okay, someone already said, who, who's one of them? Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. And what sort of abilities does he have? What can he do that makes him powerful? Is he very strong? Yes. Yeah, he's very strong. What else does Spider-Man do, which is really cool? Go on, George. Um, he can use webs to sling around. Yeah, he can use webs. And depending on which comic version, they either come in from out of his body or he's made them chemically and stuff like this. But yes, it's very cool and he's very acrobatic. Who else can you see on that slide? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. And what's her power? She can fly. She can fly. She can fly very fast and she's very strong as well, isn't she? And what about the last person on the other side? Does anyone recognize that person? Let's go over here to Florence. Florence, do you, I'll come up to you. Do you know who it is, Florence? Spider-Man. Spider-Man, that's right. So we've got Spider-Man there. And the person on the end... Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah, Wonder Woman. And she is... Does anyone know what her abilities are? Okay, Laura's saying strong. She is. She's very strong. Apparently, she's got the gift of healing as well. And her lasso can, if it touches you, apparently it makes you tell the truth. So, um, but what's the problem with these people? Anyone want to state the obvious? Sorry? They're not real. It's interesting, superheroes. They might look real in the films, but they don't exist. And what's interesting is they become projections of the glorious person, the hero that we all want to be, someone who can make things right. But then, when we look at real people, we see a bit of a difference. So the next slide, please, Frank. Who are these people? Does someone recognize anyone on there that wants to give a shout out? Uh, George, again, your hands up. Marcus Rashford. And what's Marcus Rashford's sort of ability? Um, football and inspiring people. Yeah, that's it. I mean, he's a great footballer and he's also used his responsibility to help people, hasn't he, around school dinners and uh, raising that awareness. Anyone else that you recognise on there? Any other hands? Adults can join in as well. We've got one at the back with Laura. Thank you, Laura. Erin Mabel. Yeah, now, do you know, can you tell us a little bit about Erin She is from Moss Side. I yep. feel like she's a Laura winner or Nobel, some kind yeah, of prize yeah, winner, and she's worked a lot with gun violence in Moss Side. Yes, so Erin Mabel is the counsellor for Moss Side. She's lived here for many years, and she set up a charity called Charisma, which is now Chrysalis, which works promoting and advocating peace, and particularly, as Laura said, about gun crime and, and knife crime. And so you'll see that um, statue, it's a model of her head, it's made out of 50 firearms that were given back in an amnesty to GMP, Greater Manchester Police, and that is in the town hall as a way of celebrating the work that Arimna has done. But she's our councillor here in Moss Side. Anyone else? Who? Uh, George, again, you're on fire, aren't you? Um, let's come down to George. Anyone else you rec recognise? Mary Berry. Yes, Mary Berry. And what is her superpower? Cooking. <laughs> Cooking, yeah. She's brilliant at making cakes. 
And do you know she also has a very committed Christian faith? And she also helps with advocacy around child bereavement uh, because she lost her son at the age of 18 in a car accident and so is involved as a patron of a child bereavement charity. But it's interesting, isn't it, the comparison? We'll come to the guy holding the lily. I wonder how many, who knows who that is? Guy who looks a bit like David Bellamy, but that's showing my age. There'll be some people, who's David Bellamy? Um, but a botanist, we'll come back to him a bit later in the talk. But these are normal people, aren't they? They're normal people with abilities and responsibility who have made a difference. And yet, what God calls us to, as we see in Matthew 25, is that we've all been given something to use, something entrusted. And so as we look at this story, that's, I've got three short points that we're going to think about as we look at this story from Matthew 25. And the first is just this. Jesus gives us something valuable. So Jesus told this story. He puts himself in the place of the master as God. And the first thing we see is he gives us something valuable. Now, how do we know that? Well, because the NIV, the translation we use, has talked about bags of gold. But in the original, it's this word called talent. It's where we get our English word talent. It comes from that Greek word. And Jesus' listeners would have known that word, talent, meant a very large amount of money or a great weight of something valuable. So one talent, we're told in the Bible's adults, if you're looking at the footnotes, always look at the footnotes where you see it in the text, you get a hint there that one talent would be 20 years of a laborer's wage. 20 years of a laborer's salary. So whether that's working in building or vineyards or farming... And I worked out that looking at the average wage a labourer in the UK earns, one talent, 20 years worth of salary, would be just under half a million pounds today. So it's, it's already making us think, whoa, that's a lot. Jesus wanted to see that people knew this was valuable. This was immense. So it's a word picture here as well for the abilities God has given us. It's not just monetary. It's not about gold or silver. Jesus makes clear that God really values these gifts, these abilities, these opportunities, the skills that are given to us. So we mustn't undervalue what he has given. What Jesus calls valuable, we shouldn't say, it doesn't matter, it's nothing. We might be very creative. We might be musical. Who can play an instrument here? Hands up. Excellent. Who loves to sing? Who loves to draw great pictures? Excellent. Or design them on computers? <laughs> Thank you, Jez. <laughs> Who's good at sport? Who enjoys sport? Yeah. Who's great at solving problems? Oh, some problem solvers. You can come to our staff meetings and elders meetings if you want. Who enjoys doing maths? Hannah Poyner. Two plus two? Yay! What about English and languages? Yeah. What about cooking? And hospitality, who enjoys that? Brilliant. See, we all have these opportunities, these skills, different things that we do. 
could be that we're excellent at caring for people. Who enjoys spending time with people and where we can looking after them, making a difference in some small way? You see, some may be given more opportunities, more gifts, more abilities, more strength, but we're all given something. That's Jesus' point. Everyone is given something, and it is valuable. So what is it that you enjoy doing? What do you feel you're good at? It comes naturally. It's in your sweet spot, some might say, or you just get on and do it. It doesn't feel like hard work. Have you thanked God for this gift? Do you thank him for what he's given? Are you using it to help and serve other people? Jesus gives us something valuable. Secondly, we've got to remember, it's very obvious, but it's easy to lose sight of this one, it's a gift. We've got to remember it's a gift. The bags of gold or these talents were given by God. They weren't wages. That's the interesting thing. We know the servants went off and did work, but they weren't wages. There are other parables where Jesus says quite clearly, they're taken into the vineyard, they're given work to do, and then they're paid. He, he never uses the language of payment here. There's a trust relationship. It's like calling friends over and saying, can you do this and this for me with this stuff that's mine? I'm entrusting you. Go on, do it. It's not a wage. It's a gift. The master gives them his resources to put to good use. So that's interesting, isn't it? Because it starts to knock out the idea of boasting. We don't boast in these talents if they're a gift and they're given to us. The Apostle Paul makes this really clear when he's speaking to the Corinthian Christians. He says this in chapter 4 of his first letter to the Corinthians. What do you have that you did not receive? Really straightforward question. What did you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Can you see how that switches? Boasting, well, it's all about me. I do this. But it was a gift. It was something given to you which you've developed, which you've used, but that's what you were meant to do. So enjoy it. Don't boast. Enjoy. You see, church isn't like Britain's Got Talent, where everyone is trying to be number one, where we're trying to get noticed. We're not to be proud. We're not to be boastful about what God has given us, but thankful. We switch it. Be thankful. Use it. Enjoy it. We're also, therefore, not to get envious about what other people can do. We're not to feel sorry for ourselves because we're not like others, like maybe the list on that that second PowerPoint slide. Don't sweat that. Don't don't be envious. Be thankful. Recognize this is a valuable gift. And then we're told it's according to abilities. Did you notice that? Particularly the adults. Were you listening carefully? Verse 15. It's a bit interesting, isn't it? That the master gives according to abilities. And does that mean that God is more happy with those who have more ability? Not at all. The parable says he's saying to those who have put their resources to work, well done, you're faithful. Come and join in my joy and happiness. And the word translated abilities in this sentence in the Greek is dunamis. It meant power. It's power. Capabilities. What Jesus is saying is that he's the master who generously gives 
his servants certain skills and abilities, but he also gives the power to use them. It all comes from God. He gives the ability and the capability. Isn't that interesting? This means we can be confident then about growing our skills, about using them in lots of different ways at school, at work, at our neighborhoods, in our family contexts, in church. We can be confident because it is God who has given this gift. It's God who grows the gift. And that's why school and work and church and clubs like sport or cubs or drama groups, they're, they're really helpful places for us to grow and improve, to work together. And if you start thinking about school and work as the place God wants you to be, where God wants you to grow his gifts and abilities, you'll start to be more grateful, won't you? Can you see the correlation? you'll start to develop gratitude. You'll want to grow. You'll be praying about these opportunities. You'll be saying, you've given me this stuff. I need you to help me do it. You've put me here, so use me. And do you see how that's very different from the third servant who saw the master as hard, as disinterested, as greedy? There was no relationship of trust or love of joy. There was no understanding that they were brought into something purely by grace and trusted enormously with great valuable gifts. So you'll say to yourself, what will God teach me today? What will God do this week that is going to grow his gifts in me? And be a blessing to others. What can I do that will serve him and serve other people? And then thirdly, finally, we're to use our gifts. The way we use our gifts shows our love for Jesus. The way we use our gifts shows our love to Jesus. You see, the servant with one bag, as I've already said, he doesn't like the master. He calls him hard. The servant thinks the master is mean that this master doesn't do any work, that he just expects me to do it all and then receive all the benefits. Well, he didn't know or love the master. He buried the gold because just it's easier. It's my comfort. Why bother? His pride was the problem. Maybe he looked at those other servants and thought, they've got more, so what's the point in me working? It's not fair. His anger, his self-pity drove his response. And it's a warning to us. As Christians, it's a warning to both those who are Christian and those who would say at the moment, I don't believe in God. It's a warning. We're tempted to envy others. They seem to have more than us. They seem to be just successful at whatever they do. They read faster. They write better. They're brighter. They're, they've got greater intellects. They get more done. They're more efficient. They're more creative, they're more effective, they're more successful. And so the list goes on. But it's just a downward spiral of self-pity, driven by pride, actually. We're regularly tempted to cover the talents others have and wonder why the master didn't give us those. But this is sinful. It puts us at the center. It deliberately ignores the gift and the value of what God has already given us. 
Gone is the love for the master. Gone is the love for anyone else. Gone is the wonder over the grace that I've received anything from the master at all. Gone is the realization that even one talent is a huge amount and way more than I deserved in the first place. So don't focus on the multiple gifts or abilities of others. Rejoice in them. Pray for them. Give thanks again. Because all of this comes from a Lord who trusts us and calls us into his kingdom to work for his purposes. He is wise. And he is faithful. He knows what he's doing with us. So be faithful with what he's given you. And those servants with the five and the two, well, they loved the master. They were looking forward to hearing his well done. They were looking forward to the the welcome in the kingdom of sharing the joy of the master. Does that occupy your thoughts? On a Monday morning, who's the boss over all the situations you're in? It's this master. On the day when you will see Jesus face to face, There is a right motivation that says, I want to hear from my Savior, well done. Join in my happiness. My joy is your joy. Now, there are two fantastic books that I've uh, at different points dipped in with my boys when they were younger. Uh, Frank, if you can put on the next slide. So 10 girls who use their talents and 10 boys who use their talents. They're in this series um, written by Irene Howard. And within these books, she shares the stories of two people. Now, the first is Sir Gillian Prance. He's the older guy with the white beard. And he was the chap you saw holding that massive lily, slightly younger photo of him in Brazil. Well, Gillian went to study botany at university, and he became a Christian. And from that time onwards, he said he studied plants and the Bible. He was amazed at the detail God put into even the most insignificant plants. He went on to work in Brazil in the 1970s in the Amazon rainforest and became a major campaigner against the deforestation taking place even then around transportation. He went on to be the director of the Royal Botanic Gardens at Kew to develop the work there, particularly after the huge storm that we had in 1989 where the gardens were devastated. He was appointed a week after that and started his job. In one interview with the journalist, he was asked what his vision for the garden at Kew was, and he said this, my vision for the Royal Botanic Gardens is that they lead the world in thinking about conservation. We are facing the most serious environmental crisis and we must do all in our power to prevent it. So he's speaking in the late 80s. The earth belongs to the Lord, he went on. He made it. Our job is to look after it for him. Now the journalist was surprised and at that point the journalist said, do you really believe God made the earth? Gillian's response, I most certainly do. Today, he's still uh, the president of the Institute of Biology and Botany. Gillian used his gifts not only to understand and protect creation, but also to help people see that science and faith in Jesus Christ does go together. There's no battlefield. Anne Lawson. 
She's also mentioned in the, the book, Ten Girls Who Use Their Talents. She came to believe in Jesus as her savior at the age of 26, after many years of uh, searching and describing herself as an atheist. She studied zoology. She then retrained as an engineer, specializing in metals. And as she was tidying her desk in 1990, she prayed, Lord, I wish you would show me what you want me to do with my life. The age of 26, 27, asking the Lord to show her clearly. And as she was clearing up leaflets and letters on her desk, there was one that just sort of caught her attention, the Mission Aviation Fellowship. And they were appealing for people to serve as aircraft engineers in Tanzania. So after a few years of training, she served in Tanzania, doing all the aircraft maintenance, the checks that keep these vital aircraft in the air. She did everything from taking missionaries to remote villages, to delivering medical equipment, to delivering emergency food supplies, even doing the, the uh, air vac journeys that were needed in emergency cases. There was a mother who was pregnant. The baby's delivery was very difficult. She was able to make sure that the plane was able to fly to pick up that mother to get her to hospital, and the baby and the mother were safe. She saved the baby's life. How did she do that? By making sure the aircraft hangars worked superbly, by doing all the rigorous checks that were needed, by continuing to do that faithfully year after year, 13 years. She returned to the UK. She was serving with the Swahili Fellowship in her local church. She died of cancer in 2016 at the age of 53. And at her funeral, she requested her favorite hymn that would be sung in Swahili, My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus. You see, our lives, our gifts, our abilities, our work, it's for the Lord Jesus. It's not the measure of your worth. You know where that lies? The cross of Christ. That is your measure of your worth. The deep, profound, life-giving, love-giving gift of God in Christ. Because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit calls you and works with you, not because we're so great, but because he is, and he loves us. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He delights to share his happiness with you. That's what you were made for. It's hard to have joy when you're consumed with what you don't have, isn't it? So instead, invest with what God has given you. Choose his joy. Look forward to him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. The psalmist writes in Psalm 115, verse 1, Not to us, O Lord, but to your name give glory. Heavenly Father, please... Would you take this truth from Matthew 25? Would you rub it deep into your hearts, into our hearts, by your spirit, into our hearts, that we would be people who take the gifts you've given us and with gratitude use them to bring glory to your name in every sort of way, with all our work, Father. We praise and glorify you. Lord, help us this week to go into our work, our school, our daily lives with gratitude with eyes wide open to see the opportunities for being developed in our gifts and abilities and in the strength you've given us, but to serve others and to make Christ's love known. Not to us, O Lord, but to your name. Give glory. Amen.